Yoo-hoo. I'll make you famous. This is Naomi. Hope you're having a great week. And uh, we're going to do an episode today focused on the album Blaze of Glory, songs inspired by the movie Young Guns 2, which was written, recorded by John Bon Jovi. And my special guest today to talk about the album is none other than Jerry Braden, who is not only a massive Bon Jovi fan, but he also runs a very successful Twitter page promoting Bon Jovi at JerryBraden92. You can check out his tweets as well. Check out his YouTube channel, Bon Jovi Discussions. He's had some interviews with some really awesome people in Bon Jovi's world, including members of the band. So check it out. And here it is. This is Jerry and me having a nice chat. Uh, what's, are you recording now? Yep. Oh, I was going to see how you do the layout of your, your thing. Well, that's okay. Um, the layout in what way? Like, like how you, we're just going to talk about the uh, Blaze of Glory album. Yeah, basically, uh, what I do is um, we'll have like a conversation first about like our fandom and how we got into the band and and things like that, and then we'll go right into the album, uh, kind of do like a track by track thing after going over the main points, and then just seeing where it goes. <clears throat> just kind of like what you and uh, what you and Jay did. Yeah, which was a great one. I like that one. So that was really fun. Then and, and uh, that was right at the beginning of the pandemic too. So. We had a very long conversation because <laughs> we didn't have much else going on at the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a good guy. He's not yeah. Yeah. No. And it's cool because through Twitter, I seem to have met a really cool Bon Jovi fan base, including yourself. Um, and I first noticed you when you were posting, I think you had interviews for your own show. Now your show, is your show considered a podcast as well? Conversations? Uh, bon to be Con honest with you, I... All I know is I do it video wise, which I'd love to have you on sometime. Absolutely. Uh, but it's just like a, uh, a video on Skype that I uploaded to YouTube. So I guess you could call it what you want. How did you grow your viewership? Because you have a lot of Twitter, Twitter followers as well. My uh, views on, I'm sorry. On YouTube, you have quite a few views on, on your videos and, and as well as your Twitter um, following. I noticed that you, you get a lot of responses from people. Yeah, this is you know, I, you know, I've been a fan for 20 years, so you know, I've you know, just met so many people and know many people, and mm -hmm. that's it. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of nice people in this fandom, that's, you know, that's for sure. You know, a lot of people that have become good friends, and mm -hmm. yep. I felt like early on, like I used to be, and I, I don't really have the time as much as I used to, where I used to visit the Jovi Talk message board uh, based out of England, but I used to be like, um, on there quite a bit say like 10 15 years ago do you ever go on there as well i actually was i did that stuff when i was like i think they were around in 2003 weren't they yeah it was a long right? time like, ago and it's like dial up dsl aol <laughs> days yeah 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 so i did it for a little bit i was like 11 years old then but after that i didn't really 
get into it, which I wish I kind of had, had done, but well, never mess did. Message boards don't seem to be as popular as they used to be, but I know it's still active and I'll pop in there from time to time to see what people are saying. Yeah, I might have to look into it now that you, you mention it. And, you know, like you said, you know, message boards aren't really a thing anymore, but uh, it's like the forums on the fan club. You know, the forums kind of died off in the last 10 years, you know? Mm -hmm. so. um, I tried to join backstage and I never got... I remember this was probably like 20 years ago um, and I sent them a check or whatever. And then I never heard anything. And I don't really? know. I, I heard later on when I, I messaged Matthew about it a couple of times and he said that they had been undergoing some changes and that's what had happened, but I still never heard another thing. So I was kind of disappointed in that experience, but I think I had access to the message boards for a little while as a consolation prize. <laughs> oh, well, it's funny because if you look at the fan club, um, how long have you been a fan? Uh, since I was 11 years old and I'm 41, so 30 years. So th okay, so pretty much you've grown with the band. So, mm. you know, back then, you know, it, the fan club used to be really cool with Mrs. B running it, operating it, and all the fan club trips. And, yeah. you know, it was the it was the best. And then, what was it? I think, oh, eight or oh, nine, Matt took over. Mm-hmm. And it was still fun because, you you know, with your packages, you got an autograph with every fan club subscription every year. Um, but the last two, three years when uh, band merch uh, took over, uh, it just was terrible. Oh, really? So oh, yeah. Because you, you don't get autographs anymore, which I love collecting autographs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just pretty much a, a pin and a lanyard. And, and then the fan club's not even active, like, there's no, no forums, which, you know, only the crazies have started to use, use that anymore on the fan club. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, they said that you get the news first on there. You don't, you know, every, you know, we're in the social media age now, which I get, yeah. you know, everything, you know, we find out stuff before the band even announces it. <laughs> you know, that's, just, that's just how hardcore we are. You yeah. Know? No, it's so. true. Yeah, it definitely, it's evolved since then, and there really isn't as much need for the message board situation anymore. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like, so I guess Matt, who, in case people don't know, Matthew Bon Jovi is John's brother, who's been a road manager for them before. He's been heavily um, involved in the organization for years, since probably since the beginning. Um, so he went from running the fan club, then now he does the runaway tours. Is that correct? He manages that. Okay. And Runaway. I'm sorry. He's managed Runaway Tours, I think, since day one with uh, Rob Fuzzesi. Um, and then I think Matt just kind of took over the whole gig and kind of gave up security for John. Mm -hmm. So Runaway Tours is more focused on John Bon Jovi himself than as the whole band, usually, in most cases, correct? Well, when they first started to do these, they were actually fan club. My, my first one, it was a a fan, you can only be you can only do these trips if you're a fan club member, which anybody can sign up to be a fan club member and do it. But um, and it was just I remember the first year of those those trips is like 30 people got a photo of John at the same time and people complained. And mm. over those few years, you know, it turned on to like two, four people and then one and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, they did ones with Richie um, when he was oh. doing Aftermath. And uh, then they started to do 
like with other artists like Don Henley from the Eagles, the Google Dolls, I think. And then I think it circled back to just John. Okay. Now, since you've experienced how many of these trips now? I have done three. And uh, what's your favorite part of the experience? Uh, probably the photo with John. Yeah. Or that and I think just seeing John in a different setting. I think when you see John solo, which I've seen John solo many times, I think when you see John solo, he's more relaxed. He's having more fun, you know, with the mm -hmm. band, you know, he's the CEO. He's we got to make sure everything runs perfectly. But when he's on his own, he's just, you know, he's there having fun. You know, that's a very good point you make about him because I've seen him in, in CEO mode at a show where if the guys even make a mistake, you're getting a dirty look from John. <laughs> like, Thank God. Yeah. You know, like he's, <clears throat> he's very, he runs a very well-oiled machine. So yeah. it is cool to see him do what he does in the solo world and just kind of like loose a little bit, even just doing the Hampton water with his son, Jesse, it's really cool to see him just kind of relax into things. Like they did that at Instagram, what was it two weeks ago? They did an Instagram show yeah. at, in John's studio and, and on his property there. And then, and then they did some beer or wine pong afterwards. And that was yeah, a great. Party. You felt like you were really there with them. And it was really funny because they were pretty deep into the wine by that point. Yeah, you know, I think us, you know, the fans, I think we needed that, you know, I think we needed to see a show, even if it wasn't in person, you know, just being able to see John perform again and having fun and, mm -hmm. and uh, it was, I, I, like you said, the, the bear pong was so much fun. It was, it was great. <laughs> it was, it was good to see him hang out and relax with the family and it, it's, yeah, you, you see a different side of him, I think, than you do. When, when he's with the band, you know, or yeah. doing interviews, you know, you, you see this side you don't usually ever get to see. And I think that's what's so great about these runaway trips is that you get to see songs that you never see with the band, like Joey or, um, you know, you know stuff, stuff from the solo albums, you know, Blaze of Glory and uh, Destination. Does he do something? I love Destination, but that's a whole other podcast. That Because yeah. in the 90s, which this podcast is dedicated to, we were lucky to have a lot of Bon Jovi material, both solo and group group efforts. So um, that's why I've kind of decided to do uh, each album, dedicate the, its own show to that because the band deserves it. <laughs> they yeah, have such absolutely. a huge, huge catalog of work. Um, yeah. So it's my pleasure to tell people about it, especially those who have only heard Living on a Prayer, you know, those types of fans. Who, people who love Bon Jovi, but they only know three songs. Oh, I know. Yeah. You know, I, I meet people and go, oh, yeah, I love Bon Jovi. They're one of my favorite bands. What songs do you know? Oh, Luna and Prayer and Bad Name. I love them too, but maybe a little more. Yeah, just slightly. My friends always tell me, like, I'm the most obsessed person they know with the band, but I've only seen them 10 times, which. I've traveled a couple of those times to see them yeah. for sure. Um, but they hadn't come to my city since 1993. And Where's that? Edmonton, Alberta. We're in Canada. Okay. And so we're Western Canada. And so 93 on the Keep the Faith tour was the last time I had seen them. No, I'm wrong. 95, these days tour. Well, you know, I am completely jealous that you got to experience both those tours because um oh yeah 
Like, I didn't become a fan until I was two in, in 2000 and I was eight years old. And so I'm so envious of all the people that got to see, you know, the eighties and the nineties and you know, what was that like, you know, seeing the keep the faith in these days. The keep the faith tour. That was the album I discovered the band on too. So it was, uh, I remember saying there was a moment where I think they were performing. I'll be there for you. And I saw the lighters go out all over the crowd. Everybody was lit up and going, whoa, everybody everywhere. And just taking in that moment brought tears to my eyes. And it made me realize this is why Michael Jackson fans cry, <laughs> you know, because it was just so, so overwhelming and emotional just to be in that room at that moment. Um, yeah. When I, oh, I must have only been like 12 or 13 at the time. Wow. So then... The next tour on the These Days tour, um, I won backstage passes from a local guitar shop. Wow. So, oh man, I was over the moon, over the moon. I was like, this is it. I'm finally getting to meet my idols, right? But I did get to meet Richie and Tico. I did not get to meet John because, uh, it, was, because it was sponsored by Fender, the whole event. So it was oh. just exclusively to meet Richie, which is wonderful. Hey, it's still something. And Tico, you know, it's still, yeah. it's still something. Yeah. What was it like to meet Richie and Tico back then? Okay, so Richie was pretty chill. Very chill guy. Uh, you know, he'd answer your questions and just like be really candid. But I, was, I, I didn't have anything important to say because I was so nervous. Um, I was basically like, congratulations on your marriage because he was a newlywed and such an idiot. I felt like if I could do that over again. <laughs> he oh. said, he takes the Fender guitar and he says, what do you want me to play right now? And I... I could have thought of something way cooler than I did, but I just said, this ain't a love song. It was the current single. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. So he played a little bit of that for us. And then, uh, yeah, the, we heard John warming up his vocals backstage behind another door. And I was like, oh. <laughs> so close. So yeah, close. so far. And we still had those passes on after we were taken to our seats for the show getting ready for the show and the opening act was bad company. So I was with my buddy and you know what? I'm like, you know what? I bet you we could get back there again. Just walk back there. Like we belong there. Let's try it. So we did. And of course the local security, the Edmonton security didn't nod their didn't do a thing. They like go on right ahead. I walk backstage and there's Tico sitting on a bench, just kind of like warming his hands, you know, doing oh, warm ups. So I just kind of slowly approached him and then asked him if I could have a picture with him, if he would mind. And he's like, oh, no, no problem. He doesn't talk much. He just kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> and then we took a picture and I left him alone. And then the, I think it was Matt. I think it was Matthew who was just like, okay, you got it. We're not allowed to be back here anymore. We're clearing the area. <laughs> <laughs> so get out. Get out of here. Shoot kids, get out. Uh, yeah. You've, over, you've overwelcomed yourself. <laughs> But I'm glad I made the, the attempt to go back. That was cool. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Tico's the one I haven't met yet. And, you know, I really yeah. want to be able to get to meet him at some point. Yeah, he's uh, he, well, I'm, I, he's, I think I'm taller than him. Yeah. But I'm also 5'9". So I'm thinking that's pretty tall for a lady. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, is it common over over in Canada be, for women to be a little taller? No, it's a, it's still just a mix of different heights. We have, a, oh. and we're very multicultural too. So we got 
we, we welcome people from all kinds of uh, different backgrounds and races and everybody here is so very different. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now what state do you live in? I live in Pennsylvania, right in Erie, Erie, Pennsylvania, okay. right in the lake. And uh, it, it's nice here. Fun, fun fact, uh, John's maternal grandparents lived here in Erie. Oh. And so when John was a kid, he used to come here for a couple weeks in the summer, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so, you know, everyone here knows I'm a diehard Bon Jovi fan. So if I had a dime every time somebody told me that John's grandparents lived here, I'd be rich. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so, you know, his maternal grandparents lived and obviously they're, they're dead now, but um, then they came and played here during the slippery tour in 87. Mm -hmm. Never, never came back since. Wow. Yeah. Did, did, uh, did you ever, when you met him, have a chance to make a mention of that, that you were from Erie? No, I never did. Um, it, actually on the cruise last year, somebody asked him about ever coming back to Erie and he's like, does that place still even exist? Mm. You know? And he's like, you know, the arena and he knew about the arena here because our arena isn't as big as any other arena. We're like one of the smallest arenas in the States. Okay. You know, like small acts come in like Jeff Dunham or nothing that they're small acts, but you know, okay. not, not big acts like Bon Jovi. Okay. And he's like, you know, the arena is so small and, you know, we usually try to aim for bigger venues and stuff like that. And then he actually mentioned Erie again uh, two weeks ago on the Hampton Water, the Q&A before the show. Mm -hmm. uh, someone had asked about what was his first concert. He said that he saw the, I think the Doobie Brothers here in Erie. That was his first concert. So that was kind of Aww. like exciting, you know, knowing that I live here and, you know. Yeah, so I always hear the story about how his grandparents lived here and blah, blah, blah. He's got a good connection. Uh, one of the things I like, on your twitter feed is your polls i love how you pit the songs versus the songs and yeah i think they're really cool and you get a good a number of people who are voting too which i really like yeah it, it's been a lot of fun i first started to i started to do it just for well it is for fun uh back in december i think mm -hmm. and so i went from you know the official releases i went from the first album all the way up until 2020 and everybody got to pick which one they liked more you know i was kind of i wanted to see what everyone's thoughts were and it brought out a lot of discussions and i think some people found new songs mm -hmm. and then uh right now i'm doing outtakes uh from each album and it's not doing as popular as it was when i was doing the official releases and the, the box set but it's still fine I, and i've gotten a few messages from people saying wow i never even knew the song existed and mm -hmm. they, they love it so, and there's, there's a couple that I found too that I've never heard before. So it was, it's fun. You know, it's something fun for everyone to do. And, you know, good conversations come out of it. So. The outtakes that you were mentioning recently, um, I didn't even know about. Not even like, I think it was like first album outtakes almost maybe earlier. I'm not sure. Um, the, the, de the debut ones? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, the debut outtakes were, I think, almost terrible, you know, because they weren't, sound-wise, I think the song itself was okay, mm -hmm. but most of those outtakes were actually just demos, so they were never even finished. Yeah. And uh, so you, when you listen to them, it kind of, 
rings rings in your ear and hurts it's uh, it's hard to listen to but you want to so bad because you enjoy the song there's one that they have yeah. that i really like that's hard to listen to and it's uh does anybody really fall in love anymore oh i love that one well they remastered that on the 2014 box set okay i'm pretty sure well is that the one the new jersey box set yeah because i have that okay i have that yeah but, yeah um, because i when I originally found that track, it was, I think it was a live version. Well, I don't think they've ever done it live, but I, mm. I know what version you're talking about because before that box set, uh, does anybody really fall in love? And now and forever, I love both of those. Yeah. And you have to go on YouTube to listen to it. And the audio quality just was terrible, but you still listen to it because you loved it so much. Yeah. And so I was glad when they released that box set, you know, when they had all those songs and, and I wish they would do that for the other albums too. I'm surprised they didn't do it for Slippery, mm-hmm. you know, because Slippery was obviously much bigger than uh, Jersey was. But yeah, you take what you can get, right? Uh, it's surprising that they didn't do it for Slippery. That's the album that made them who they are, really, in the beginning. Yeah. Um, I, another outtake I really like was uh, "Love Is War." That one's okay. It's not one of my favorites. That's actually like in the that. pool. Yeah. Today. And it's beating every song right now, so. I love it. I don't know. Yeah. I, just, I really, that song always grew on me. I loved it. Um, yeah. Well, the last top poll I saw, you had it against Borderline, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Borderline was kicking some ass there. Oh, I'm sorry if I'm not allowed to swear. Yeah, you can swear. Uh, <laughs> was, uh, you know, was kicking ass for, I think, eight songs. Mm-hmm. And then finally... You know, one of the New Jersey, I think Love is War actually beat Borderline, but Borderline will be in the final rounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. I Do you ever post like a, like a summary of how the songs have beat each other and like lined up and... I like wouldn't even know. I, I, I wouldn't even... even <laughs> I forgot what those are called. Um, like a chart? Yeah, yeah, a chart of some kind. I wouldn't I even like know because there's some... Yeah, I mean, I have a list of all the, because at the end of each thing that I do, whether it was the song releases on each album and then the box set, I would do the final rounds, which songs really beat all the other songs. So like, on, you know, when I comes to the final rounds for these outtakes, it'll be, you know, Borderline, Love is War. I'm sure Stay from Crush is going to be one of those. You know, that's, and, that's in my top five outtakes. Yeah. <laughs> I love, and I always thought Stay should have made the Crush album. I think it had, yep, it had a spot for that album. Absolutely, but I was it didn't. I was mind blown that it didn't. Crush had a lot of good outtake songs. A lot. Oh, of it did, yeah. and it, it makes you wonder too why. You and I both know John's not very good at deciding what songs come and go. You know, like look at Prayer for example. John didn't want to put Prayer on Slippery. Mm-hmm. And thank God Richie convinced him to do it because that's their biggest hit. But point is, is there's a lot of songs on each album that you think this should have made the album, like Radio for Keep the Faith. Yeah, That should have made the the album. But John didn't think it was uh, a good time for that song to be on an album. So it just never did. That The impressive thing is the amount of great songs <laughs> that, that they couldn't fit on an album when you're thinking look at this guy's catalog and their ability to write because so many treasure songs that didn't make it um what was i gonna say there uh river runs dry 
That one's pretty good. That's on the the box set. Yeah. I'm trying to remember which album that was supposed to be on. I think it was supposed to be on These Days, Keep the Faith, maybe. I could see that. It's it's interesting. You can usually tell an outtake what era it was just by there's something about the sound of it, the sound of the guitars, the um Are you judging the place the faith? place where John's voice was at the time. Yep. You can usually yeah, that's tell what you can usually tell what era it was. And I mean, the album we're going to talk about today was definitely a time where John's voice was in its prime. <laughs> mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the thing about it too, is that he, going into making this album, he, he wasn't in a good place emotionally, physically. He was having a hard time. Now, going into it, we were, today we're going to be reviewing the album Blaze of Glory, the Young Guns 2 soundtrack that came out, uh, I think I should probably pull up the wiki. It came out in August 7th, 1990. So we're looking at this month, 30 years since the release of that album. It was nominated, nominated for a Grammy and Academy Award. So I think he won the Grammy, but I don't think he won the Academy Award. I think he won the Golden Globe, but he was yeah. nominated. He was nominated for the Academy and a Grammy, but didn't win either of those, but he got the Golden Globe. That's correct. I, I'm pretty sure I remember seeing that. <laughs> so I, th- I think so. Don't hold me to it, but I'm pretty sure it was the Golden Globe he had won. Mm-hmm. And there's, but, a lot uh, of, there's a lot of people out there who don't know how to separate John Bon Jovi, the solo artist, from Bon Jovi, the band. Um, yeah. And I think like this album was the first time that that happened, and it's a, an important distinction to make. Yeah. That, that the two are very different. But I think that the general public doesn't really see that. No, they don't. And I think that's, you know, like you said, you know, John's vocals on this album. You know, I was actually listening to the album earlier. And, uh, you know, his vocals are, are just so incredible. And it, it amazes me because, you know, the this stressful torn that they were under from, you know, 83 up until 90. They were constantly torn, especially those Slippery and Jersey tours. I mean, his voice was shot yeah. by the end of each tour. You know, by the end of the Jersey tour, we know that he was worn out tremendously. And so I think the Jersey tour ended in February 17th, 1990. Mm-hmm. And I think he started writing Blaze of Glory in April. And so then it was finished by June or July. And so just seeing where he was from the Jersey tour, two months later, he's recording the album. Yep. His voice was incredible, you know? Yeah, I, I don't know what he did to take care of it but i mean it it seemed to be sounding like at its peak <clears throat> i say that as oh. i as i can't talk <laughs> um <laughs> but uh yeah and when i was saying john wasn't in a good place i remember recalling a story uh where after the jersey tour john was just so burned out that he was in a ve- moving vehicle on a highway and he considered throwing himself out the car door yeah, I've heard that story too. Yeah, he was just uh, not in a- behind the music. Yeah, I think he, he said it in an interview like uh, with somebody, I can't remember who. Yeah, I think it's that on- It uh, stuck with me because I was so alarmed by it. Yeah, well, you gotta imagine what, you know, yeah, he's on top of the world, but can you imagine all the scrutiny and all the stressful- you know, and he wasn't also running the, you know, running his brand at the time either. You know, he was just being a kid and work, 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 work. Mm-hmm. And uh, another thing too is I want to point out was that, um, like you said, nobody can distinguish Bon Jovi 
to John Bon Jovi. You know, they can't separate the two, mm-hmm. you know. But so I think with this album, I think he had a lot to prove, you know, first of all, not only just, hey, I'm, I'm more than just the 80s has been, I can still make music and I can still write hits. And then also to the point where I can do this without a band, you know, with this, without Richie, Tico, Alec and uh, David. He didn't you need know, any and, crutches. He could stand alone and do it. Yeah. And I think he, pro- he proved it well. But I mean, at this point too, he was so famous that he had a lot of musicians out there in his corner who appear on this album. So yeah. he was also able to show that he could summon that kind of attention and support from his peers. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. He had what, Elton John, Alda Nova, Little Richard. Mm-hmm. Who else did he have on that album? Uh, you named Randy Jackson on bass. Uh, yeah, Kenny Aronoff on drums. Yeah. Um, actually, there's a little list down here. I, I copied it so we could share. Jeff Beck was oh. on guitar. Jeff um, Beck, yeah, that's right. He I made an appearance, I think, in the Miracle video sure as well. Did. And a lot of people don't realize in the Miracle video, Joey Tribbiani, hey, Matt LeBlanc from Friends. He was he was in the video too. Yeah, he's also in Say It Isn't So video later in Crush, right? I yes, think? he is. He's been in two yeah. Bon Jovi videos. There's some trivia. It's true. Yeah. Um, lots of big names on that album that came out for John. Lou Diamond Phillips even has credits on vocals. So I'm wondering if that's him speaking like on the track anywhere. But then I don't think so because they go that, I think it was Emilio Aceves goes, woohoo, I'll make you famous. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't get a credit on the album for that, but. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, um, the, the other track too, which is like the kind of like the intro for, I think, Diane Mitchell 11, when I think it's Kiefer Sutherland, who mm-hmm. says, you, you wrote a 15-year-old boy straight to this grave, the rest of us straight to hell. That's also on the album. Mm-hmm. And well, there's another one too. All at the end of Miracle Before Blaze of Glory, when uh, Emilia Estefez, all was it, oh, you're not a god, pull the trigger and find out, you know, that, that part. You've watched the movie? I love the movie. I was going to ask if, if you have you seen it? Yes, but it's been so long since I watched it that I don't remember it at oh. all. I was never that into the into westerns though, but that's kind of funny. But I was obsessed with this album. Yeah, see, I when I was a kid and this album was out, I didn't care for the movie. And then um, as I got older, you know, a few years ago, I really got into it because just I, I think you start to understand more of John's songwriting as you get older and you get into more songs. And I think I saw the movie kind of really based it from the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. And I I thought it was a good movie. One thing I'm really interested in knowing, did John already have the script of the movie when he wrote all the songs? I I think he did. Yeah, because Emilio, the story is Emilio Estevez and the director, I forget the, there was like John Flanco or something like that. John Fusco. Cusco, okay. Yeah. Uh, they went to John and said, hey, we want to use Wanted Dead or Alive for uh, the movie. And John was like, well, I want to see the script first. And he read the script, didn't think it really fit the album. And he's like, you know what, I'm going to write you a song, which him and the rest of the cast of Young Guns were in, a, I think, a diner or something. They were like eating dinner. And John actually penned the lyrics to uh, Blaze of Glory. And then he's like, he told Emilio, two weeks, I'm going to have this record. I'm going to perform it to you. And I think they went to like a desert somewhere. 
and John performed it, and the director begged him to write the, the whole soundtrack. Yeah. So it's, it's, so it's interesting to me that he wrote Blazing Glory in like five minutes on a nap in the middle of dinner time. Kiefer Sutherland has recently uh, recounted that story in the media. Uh, not too oh, did long he? Ago. Yeah, not too long ago. I think, uh, and one of the things he, he quoted, he goes, "We were." Kiefer said, "Look, we were munching burgers while John's writing a number one hit song. He made us feel stupid." <laughs> yeah, that's what he said, um, and it's pretty what, funny. What were they eating? You said burgers. Yeah, he goes, "We were munching burgers." <laughs> but it's just incredible that. You know, a song that won a Golden Globe was written in five minutes on a napkin. You know, mm -hmm. I just, you know, that shows you how amazing, you know, how talented he is. Exactly. Um, they're one of the most underrated yet successful bands that have ever existed. And yep. there, you, there you go. There's a, there's a reason. Um, people don't realize how good they actually are. They just think it's a bunch of arena rock catchy tunes. This is what yeah. I feel like the general public thinks. But there's so yeah. many, so many tracks that have nothing to do with arena rock that are just deep and lyrically um, intense, you know, that people just don't know about. And I feel like it's always been my mission to let people know there's more to Bon Jovi. They have depth. Oh, exactly. It's without like, me you know, getting laughed out of the room. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's like, if I have to recommend any album for anyone to listen to, it's either these days or lost highway, you know, Yes. Probably these days probably isn't the first one to <laughs> give out to someone, but these days it's is such my a favorite. great album. It these is? It's my favorite album, yeah. It's an amazing album. You know, and you know, I was speaking earlier about how, you know, when you're younger versus older, you know, you get into an album. Like when I was a kid, I couldn't get into these days because I couldn't relate to Heartbreak or Dark Days or anything. You know, I was a kid. Yeah. But as I got older and turned into an adult, I started having, you know, breakups and, you know, tough 
things that happen in life and then you relate to that album you know so it's amazing how music will find you at a certain place and time mm -hmm. and these days is one of those great albums that are just like that i like you said you were a kid when i approached the album i was 15 so i was a teenager and i still hadn't experienced anything really but i think it was musically and melodically that this album really spoke to me on different levels because what like those harmonies that him and richie have and just like mm -hmm. the pain in his voice and the things he could do with his voice <laughs> at that time were just blowing my mind so that's what caught me first about that album and then later on i could understand more of what the lyrical content was about yeah same here you know for the last 20 years i you know john has always said that that's one of his most optimistic albums and you know, I know we're talking about the Young Guns album, but side note, you know, okay. he said it was one of his most optimistic albums. And so when I was younger, I was like, are you kidding? It looks like you're about to hang yourself. But as you get older, you, you know, you and I were, were the kind of fans that dig deep in the songs and the lyrics. And so I've realized in the last few years that the album is actually about finding that light at the end of the tunnel that we're not alone. We're in this together. Finding that light at the end of the tunnel. It yeah. just, you had to dig deep to see that. It's yeah, not as blatant yeah. as what they write now. Because what they yeah. write now is basically, hey, everybody, like, we're rah, 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 we're in this together. Stand up, spread your wings and fly, da, da, da. This is the Bon Jovi of now, right? Yeah. But although 2020 is coming out just around the corner, um, and, and some singles have been released already, I'm going to say that so far the music part of it, the musicality has not knocked – the ball out of the park for me but the lyrical content has been impressive especially with a song um like unbroken oh yeah so john's still able to write a deep touching lyric that i will say yeah see i i know it's not a very popular album so far me personally i absolutely love what we've heard so far yeah. and i i got to hear lower the flag too and lower the flag is great you know, but, you know, there's Limitless as well. Do What You Can, I Loved, and um, Unbroken. Did I say Limitless? Yes, you did. I think they're all great songs, and so it makes me a lot, makes me hopeful for the, the whole album. But the one thing I will say about Limitless, though, is that I wish the chorus had a little bit more of an oomph to it, you know, a little yeah, more. I because the, verse, the verses were there, you know, with the in-your-face, you know, but then the chorus, it just kind of pulls that punch away. It's not climactic. Yeah. 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 You know, the, cor the chorus, you know, it's like what John says all the time. Don't bore us, get to the chorus. You know, the chorus is the biggest impact of the song. Mm -hmm. And uh, unfortunately, it didn't have that, you know, or solo, you know, you know guitar solo. But that's true. I knew I was going to be good, though. I'm glad. I'm glad you're very, uh, you know, you believe in it. You're very optimistic about it. I'm going to be optimistic about it. I haven't had a chance to listen to much of it yet, but I'm definitely going to give it a few spins and see how, if it grows on me or not. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think when you're a fan as much as you and I are, um, sometimes, sometimes people are upset if you're ever critical of the band. Um, I, I have never heard you be critical of the band, but I know I have been critical. And I think the reason why that is, is because over all these years, I know what they've been capable of doing. And yeah. when, when something doesn't seem to hit the same measure, I can't expect them to be 100% amazing forever. I can't. But, 
but when someone something doesn't come to the same level of what they've done in the past, I, it kind of lets me down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I what what I'm thankful for is, like you said, you never seem to be critical because I don't like being critical because I don't mm -hmm. know what it's like to be in his shoes. Yeah, and I'm I'm enjoying what's out, you know. But you gotta look at, at their point of view. Mm -hmm. How many bands like them are still writing? big songs like they did back when they were 20 you know you're right you know john's voice isn't going to be the same so he's not going to be able to sing songs like prayer or, or anything like that you know he's yeah that's a good like, point. Like you said, like he, he's got to be able to write to his voice and that uh, that i respect yeah and like you said you know the songwriting you know you're saying about the songwriting for unbroken you know it, it's incredible and i think the delivery of his singing and playing i think it's is great you know some other fans will disagree and that's okay you know, there's no right or wrong opinion. You know, yeah. it's this is the way that it is. You know, you know there are songs that I don't like, but you know, like there's like a whole lot of leaving. Everybody knocks me for it because I don't <laughs> um, like uh, a whole lot of leaving very much. Okay. And so everybody knocks me for it. But that but that's the way. You know, you know, we can't all be the same. You know? No, and that's what makes it interesting and, and beautiful is that we differ in our opinions. In the end, we all like the same thing, but yeah. there's different you know, parts of it. Yeah, I was like, I was scrolling through social media today and, and I won't name names, but there were some people saying that they weren't hopeful for 2020, which is okay. Mm -hmm. But then there was other fans attacking them for saying that. Like, it's, it's not that big of a deal, mm -hmm. you know? It's just, it's a shame. It's kind of like politics. You know, you, if the other person doesn't have the same political views that you have, you automatically write them off. Yeah. You know, like there's some of my, some of my best joke, my, some of my best Bon Jovi friends, there's a tongue twister there, <laughs> that we disagree on so much, but we still have the same love for the band, you know? Exactly. Um, and that's the important thing that we can come together and talk about this because there's not that many bon actual Bon Jovi fandom like we all have where we appreciate them for the music so much is yeah. actually kind of rare when you think about it. There's Bon Jovi fandom where it's like it said, they know three songs and they think John's cute, right? Yeah. But then there's <laughs> what we do <laughs> and, and the decisions yeah. we have. So it's actually rare and it's nice to have... <laughs> A, a community of people who can talk about this, dissect the songs and get deep into it. And I think it's really nice to have that with folks like yourself. Yeah, it, it's great. And that's, that's one, that's one of the great things about this, the Bon Jovi fandom is that you've, some of my best friends I, I talk to every single day are your, your huge Bon Jovi fans and they live different countries, different States. Mm -hmm. And so have you. And it, it's great how music has united like like you and i here you're in canada i'm in pa mm -hmm. and it unites us it's it's incredible and before we get into talking more about blaze of glory i just wanted to mention to folks to if you if they look at your youtube channel bon jovi conversations you've had an opportunity to speak to a lot of people in the bon jovi camp bon jovi discussions yeah i yeah. have and i have a few i can't i shouldn't say anything but yeah I, i've been <laughs> fortunate to um talk to a few and but originally you know bon jovi discussions it's just sorry you know, i said it wrong i apologize oh no that's okay you can call it whatever you want <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i just started to do it because it was a way you know during covid and it was just a way of you know because i talk a lot with other bon jovi friends on uh twitter 
And I was like, this would be kind of cool to do on a video and people can, can watch and relate. And it's fun, you know, just, and just a way to talk to other Bon Jovi fans that um, love the band as much as you do. You know, because when you, when you go to a show with someone, you know, I, I don't know if you go to shows with any other fans, but I do. And so, like, the entire, from morning to showtime, after the show, you know, we talk nothing but Bon Jovi the entire day. Yeah. And it's such so, a fun day to make a big event of it, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's more than just the show when you're, you know, a big fan. You know, yeah. and you're talking with other fans, and it's great. Uh, the one show I remember we made a big day of it was because we went to Vegas to see them at the MGM Grand. Um, it was the Have a Nice Day tour. Ooh. Like I said, I, I didn't see Bon Jovi here in my town for years. That, so we're going on about 15 years, I think, at that point. And I'm like, they're never coming back, so I'm going to go see them. Go to Vegas, and we made a day of it. And I was like, while we're here, let's go check out the little wedding chapel where him and Dorothy got married. So we went, I took a picture outside where the sign says, John Bo Bon Jovi was married here. They let us come in, and the girl who works here, she's like, are you here because you love Bon Jovi? <laughs> And I'm like, yeah. And she goes, here, I have something for you. They had a stack of photocopies of his marriage certificate. Oh, did they? And oh, they gosh. gave me one. And I was like, thanks. But then part of me was like, am I being really weird and creepy by having this? <laughs> I was like, that's kind of funny. But I just, I kept it. I just kept it in like one of my Bon Jovi scrapbook things I have. Yeah. And I thought it was just a neat little souvenir. But, yeah, uh, not like you frame it and put it by your bed every night, you know? No, no, but, but it was just cute that they had that. And that just tells you that people have been visiting there as part of their, uh, not only their tourism, but because they're Bon Jovi fans. So Yeah, it's funny you mentioned because I went, actually I did a runaway trip in Vegas back in 2013, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And John was actually late to our, uh, our event because he was, he was walking some lady down the aisle at that chapel. No way. So, yeah. Oh, actually, I think I remember seeing photos of that. Yeah, there's, there's photos somewhere of it. He walked her down the aisle, and that's why he was late to uh, our uh, photo op, and we were going to get to see sound check and all that. And yeah, I remember there, I don't think they even did sound check that day uh, for um, the show, because the band was on tour, and... Uh, he didn't do soundtrack that day. We heard the band, but not John, you know, because then, then we found out later on that John wasn't even there. Is there a disclaimer in, in your package saying that sometimes these events, things like that happen where there's like, it says there'll be a soundtrack, but then there's no soundtrack. They never really, I remember the MetLife uh, 2013 package had soundtrack, but didn't include the photo op. Mm hmm and so it's very rare that you get the photo up and the sound check, which I wish you did, because uh, mm -hmm. I love sound check. But um, if I had to pick, I'd choose the photo up over the Me sound too. check. I still haven't met my idol. I waved at him once and he waved back. Hey, it's and something. Then, and then uh, I have been in front row, though. So that was a bucket list thing for me. Yeah. It was Richie's, yeah, birthday. It was Richie's birthday, so I made him a nice little birthday card sign. <laughs> what did it say happy birthday it just said happy birthday richie and uh i had written i had four different signs so happy birthday richie john points it out to richie he's like look at all these birthday cards out there for you <laughs> he points at it and i was like yeah and then uh i on the back of it i said today is a great fucking day for rock and roll oh and dave dave brian liked that one 
Yeah. <laughs> like that one. Go no figure. But that's for people who know that was what they used to say back in the 80s before they went on stage, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Slippery New Jersey's horror. What a great day to, or you, you say it better than I do. Today what is a, a fucking great, great day. Fucking day for rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> After these messages, we'll be right back. Analog Brewing, winner of three awards at the 2020 Alberta Beer Awards, is a proud sponsor of the Dope Nostalgia podcast. Analog Brewing is now offering delivery within the city of Edmonton with no delivery fee on orders over 40 bucks. Go to analogbrewing.ca slash shop. That's www.analogbrewing.ca forward slash shop and place your order today. When placing an order, you could also pay it forward and take part in their Nurse a Pint program and prepay for a pint for a nurse. Mention this podcast in the order comments so they know we sent you. Analog Brewing, taking beer to the next level. how to use one of these. GoldenEye. Load a rumble pack and see how it feels when 007 meets N64. And so we go into Blaze of Glory. Thank you for, I know I'm, I go off topic so easily, but it's just nice having this conversation, right? right? It's cool. Yeah, I go off topic too. So. <laughs> Um, so we've already gone over basically how John got involved in the project. Um, and it was never John's intention at that time to write or record a solo album. It just happened because Emilio asked him to, and then he suddenly just seemed to flow. It worked and he kept writing. Yeah. Um, so the album mainly focuses on the theme of redemption and whether an individual's past wrongs will catch up with them. That's what John thought he was doing was telling the story of Billy the Kid and Pat Garrett. But later on in an interview, he expressed that he was actually reflecting on where he was at the time. Yeah. And his like characters ju just kind of played it out for him. Yeah. I, I, one, we were talking about the movie, and I wanted to mention, fun fact, did you know that John actually plays in the movie? Yes. He yes. played, I think, as a prisoner. You know, you don't really ever see his face, you know, so every time I watch a movie, I try to point him out, but... Isn't I guess it's like a blur, isn't it? Like, you don't, you hardly see him at all. Well, you see the body, but like, I, I think they show him for like a millisecond, and he's like, got this big beard and long hair, and you can't really tell it's John, you know. The video quality back then wasn't the greatest either. Mm -hmm. So, not a lot of people know that, though. And I'm like, yeah, that's, was his first, uh because he uh, told the director he wanted to be in it for a second. And he was shot immediately. Was yeah. He... <laughs> <laughs> it didn't last long. It ain't the first movie where he died quickly. I think it was U571 and he dies too, doesn't he? Doesn't he get uh, shot? Yeah. No, that's uh, Row Your Belt. He dies in U571, but he also dies in uh, Row Your Belt. I can't end, remember is... Row Your Boat, but I remember the title of it. Oh, you got to watch Row Your Boat. That's the greatest movie. It's the greatest movie he's in. It, amazing role. I think okay. he plays a character named Jamie. I'm going to find You'll it. I'm going to find yeah. it and I'll watch it again. But it's I can talk to you. I could talk to you an hour for, about his movie, so we won't even we won't get into that. Oh, 
So this album, when it came out, it peaked at number three on the Billboard Top 200 and number two on the UK albums chart. So for a Western, it did better in the UK than in America, but only by time, only by one chart spot. Not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. That's the thing. People who know Bon Jovi should know by now that John's really a cowboy. Yeah, I think you can tell, you know, it was songs like Wanted and Stick to Your Guns and Ride Cowboy Ride, if that mm -hmm. wasn't obvious enough. And the, the, the thing that got me is the amount of shock there was out there when John decided to do a country record. Bon Jovi as a band did a country record, which was a great record. But people were like, country? I'm like, well, duh. Couldn't you see that coming for years? Yeah. You know, they said all the time during, you know, Lost Highways, obviously the album. You know, they were saying it all the time back um, in 2007 that rock and country is pretty much the same thing. You just add a little bit of twang into it, which is true. Yeah. And uh, your Lost Highway is actually my second. I'm not a country fan at all. Mm -hmm. um, but Lost Highway is actually my second favorite album of theirs. And uh, I, don't, I don't think it's really that cunt. Here we go. Sidetracked again. But I know. Uh, I don't think it's really that country. You know, I think with a little bit of violin, a little bit of twang, that's about it. It's true. I mean, the songs are basically Bon Jovi songs. They just added yeah. different instrumentation. Um, and I think the, the songwriting was a lot deeper, too. Uh, more of a little bit of a storytelling, I think, but I it think was good. My favorite one on that was The Last Night. Oh, I love that one. Yeah. Yeah, but, it, but uh, my point was basically that, yeah, John's always been a cowboy. He's always been interested in country western themes. And none of that should have ever surprised anybody, especially when this album came out. So the title track, Blaze of Glory, was released as the first single and it hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100 and the mainstream rock charts immediately. To this day, I think that Blaze of Glory is still a well-known song, especially for movie soundtracks. Yeah, even with the, the band itself, you know, they'll play it. I don't think they've played it since the Greatest Hits 2011 tour or Circle tour, but... Um, you know, it's a huge staple in the band's career too, even when they play it live. You know, it's not yeah. a band song, but it, you know, translates pretty well, you know, so. Yeah, yeah the band got used to playing it because it, yeah. it was that important to to John's career. I think that it it kind of, in the end, kind of becomes a Bon Jovi song because they have yeah. to play it. Um, but yeah, like the video was super cool too. I liked the whole premise of being out, out in the desert at a drive-in movie theater that's deserted. And uh, at the end, I think the screen burns down, doesn't it? The screen lights on fire as yeah. it's playing the movie. Yeah, I think right after the last chorus, which fun fact, and I don't know if you picked up on this yet. If you listen to the, the drums right before the final chorus hits, it's actually a broken, now obviously this came out before Always did, but it's actually a broken down version of the intro to Always. <gasps> you, you've never picked up on that? My mind just blew up. Yeah. <laughs> I can see it. I can hear it now. Yeah. Listen, yeah, listen to it. You know, you know, compare it to, you know, that part and then the Always intro and it's Blaze of Glory is just kind of slower than Always is, you know. I can't do it. I'm not a drummer, so. With the roll but, uh, at the end. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, ah. but pay attention to that next time. Unreal. Um, yeah. Can I, can I sidetrack? I would say when you were mentioning that sometimes John isn't aware of what is the hit and what's not going to be the hit, always is an example of that. Yeah, that was our number one selling single of all time. Yep. 
and That's he amazing. and he shelved it. Yeah, he shelved it. He never wanted to do anything with it. It sat around for a while. I don't even know what it was written for, but I think it was John uh, Caldoner who came along and said, "What are you doing with this song? Why aren't you doing anything with it?" Yeah, I think it was Obi too. It was actually written for a movie called Romeo's Bleeding. He got the script. Yeah. Okay, beforehand right. and he wrote the song for the movie and then he saw he previewed the movie before it was you know screened to anybody and he's like i don't like this movie i don't want my song to you know that's what john had said and so i think it only sat on the shelf for like two months and then they were still compiling the greatest hits crossroads mm -hmm. and uh whoever you mentioned and obi was like this is going to be a smash single john's like no it's not it's you know i wrote it for a movie it's not going to do anything what do you know number one selling single of all time uh, in their career yeah. i think yeah it's amazing how when you're the writer <laughs> you can't judge the the ability of that song i think he's and too critical of, his, of yeah. himself sometimes you know it's like the it's like the theory of him being the ceo of his of his brand you know when he's on tour you know he's very sometimes he's so serious i think he forgets to have fun mm -hmm. and sometimes when he's so serious that translates to other fans and you know you gotta have fun too at the same time you know i understand he's the ceo and mm -hmm. there's all under his belt but i think he's too critical of himself sometimes yeah i i think it's probably hard for him to just relax and enjoy everything that he's accomplished maybe not so much now in in, in his late 50s but i think like 20 years ago 30 years ago john had a hard time enjoying his success oh yeah and a lot of people go through that because in order to get where you're going and be that successful you had to work 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 it isn't just handed to you so oh, yeah it's really hard for you to sit back and not work you got you're always like oh there's something more i have to do i have to beat i have to top this i have to top that yeah and that's what happens <laughs> Yeah, it's like John has said before, you know, once you're on the top, there's nowhere else to go but down. And you've got to keep, you know, an artist has to keep releasing more music. You, you can't just have a five, 10 year period and then come back. You know, there's some bands that have a comeback, but there has been, you know, Bon Jovi's never been like that. You know, they've always been consistently releasing stuff, you know, and like, you know, I, there's a whole other side and we won't get into it, but you know, I see the band retiring in the next five, 10 years, but I see John still going for another 20, you know, on his own. So the quote I know of John Bon Jovi is like, I'm going to keep doing this until I turn into fat Elvis. He's like, if I turn into fat Elvis, then, then it's over. I'm done. Yeah. But he's not there I, yet. <laughs> he's no. not fat Elvis. <laughs> no, I just, I look at uh, Tico and and you know he's going to be 70 uh -huh. in a couple you know 23 he's going to be 70 and so it makes you you know he's going to want to start and he's still a hell of a drummer you know but he's going to want to settle down and not do the you know the whole band itself is you know slowing down on torn but that's that's a whole different discussion i can keep going on about it but i love that we can just go on tangents it's awesome mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm so sorry i keep sidetracking no it's great it makes it makes for a wonderful conversation and sure. so when you left off talking about blaze of glory and the success of that song the second single off the album was miracle miracle was released um charted at number 12 on the billboard hot 100 and number 20 on the mainstream rock charts um, miracle is a very beautiful song I specifically remember the video being really cool. Jeff Beck and Matt LeBlanc in the video. 
Jeff Beck yeah. being one of the greatest, known as one of the greatest guitar players out there. So it was cool that he was part of this song. Um, Miracle, yeah. What do you take? What's your take on that tune? I think it was amazing. I think it's one of the best songs lyrically on the album, mm. and it's one of my favorites too. You know, my perspective. I've heard so many different perspectives on it, but mine is, you know, kind of dealing with what's been dealt and you know always having a lot of weight on your shoulders that's even a line in this in the song yeah. and you're just you're hoping for a miracle per se you know and i think uh that's what i get from the song you know your savior has just left town i like the yeah, yeah the lyrics are so good like um it's one of the best on the my album, right? eyes have seen the horror of the coming of the flood the driven deep the thorny crown like just just really cool imagery with the lyrics um yeah fantastic and, writing yeah and my favorite well i think a lot of this album too like you said earlier it kind of he was portraying himself too in this album he was writing it and i think there are some parts of the album where he was writing about him and the band you know my favorite lyric from miracle is uh he said, I'm just one man. That's all I'll ever be. I never can be everything you wanted from me. I got plans so big that any blind man can see. I think my take on it was he was writing about himself, you know, back in the 80s. You know, he had all these big dreams and stuff, but then he's being pulled in this direction and that direction. And, you know, people are trying to form him to be the man that they want him to be, but he, he's got to be him, true to himself, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, that's a really good take on it. Yeah. And, um, you know, I also love, you know, at the end of the song, too, when they do the intro, to, which kind of makes you wonder why they put the, the, these intros, you know, like at the end of the miracle, they put, you know, the you are not a God line from the movie. Mm. And then it ties into the, the blaze of glory. But, um, yeah, music video was also good, too. I, I think Wayne Isham actually shot that video, the, who they, did. Uh, they've worked. With him I think they've worked with him several times. Aisham. Oh, really? Yeah, I think Aisham also directed Bed of Roses. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah. With all those aerial shots of Richie on top of a mountain playing guitar. Yeah. Super yeah. cool. And, you know, one thing I like about the music video, too, is that it kind of ties in with, you know, like in the movie, it's all about riding on your horse. You know, it's like one day alive on a steel horse I ride, you know, which is a tour bus. But I like in the video, you know, he's on his motorcycle. And I think instead of a horse, it was a motorcycle as, as a form of similarity, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. T totally. Actually, I never really made that correlation before, but it totally makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I make correlations the with the weirdest things, but I always, the you bikes, know, Yeah, that's the imagery. Because it gives you that Western feel of the song. They're in New Mexico, but you don't see horses, but you see all of them on their bikes. And, and uh, I think that was their form of horses. Mm -hmm. You know? Totally. So. But yeah. it's, he's always ridden the steel horse, so it's, it, makes, it makes sense. It's good.
Okay. So the third single was actually Never Say Die. And I wasn't aware of that. Well, you know, Blaze of Glory and Miracle were actually the only official singles. Never Say Die and mm -hmm. Dying Ain't Much of a Living weren't really singles, mm -hmm. but they were released. And like, I think Never Say Die came out in somewhere in Europe, but nowhere else. It charted you know? in Australia, Canada, Australia. and Poland. Yeah, here in the States, it was only Blaze of Glory and Miracle. Yep. And then um, they released, they released Dying Ain't Much of a Living and Santa Fe as promo singles, which weren't official. Just, I, I don't know what the point of that was. The one thing I remember about Dying Ain't Much of a Living was um, keep, they put out Keep the Faith, the videos. Do you remember? Did you ever own that? Yeah, I have it. There was a lot of obscure music videos that were made up just for that re release. And I believe that I don't know if Diane, the, the video for Diane ain't much of a living. I don't know if it was when it was actually created, if it was created for that purpose to be on a video compilation because yeah. I don't think it was ever released. Um, and it's just telling, it's like kind of in a black and white or a sepia tone. Mm -hmm. And it's um, basically telling the story of like a father who's saying goodbye to his daughter and stuff. And by the end of the video, he's hanging. Yeah. And it, it's so weird because, you know, John's not even in the video. So, you know, when I first saw it, you know, I saw it on the Keep the Faith, but if it wasn't for the Keep the Faith VHS, you would think that it was like a fan-made video. Totally. Which is a good video. But, you know, it's kind of, I, I think, like you said, I think it was rushed. Yeah. The video-wise. I think but, it was... I think it, like the story it's telling was pretty deep. It was pretty emotional, but yeah, where did it come from and why did it exist? That's what I was wondering. This video yeah. itself. Um, Dying Ain't Much of a Living is probably honestly my favorite song on the album. You know, it, it's uh, second, second. Very, <laughs> your, your second, second favorite song. <laughs> I take it back yeah, a second. I, I think it's one of the saddest songs, especially John's part when he goes, nah, 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 nah. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that adds so much emotion uh, to the song. And uh, you haven't seen the movie, so I don't know if you remember, but like the, the part where the 15-year-old boy gets killed, mm -hmm. you know? And so it kind of shoves in your face the idea that, you know, back then cowboys or any men in that matter were about war and shooting at each other and taking what you wanted. And, mm -hmm. you know, you, these people didn't really ever see old age because they were, you know, killed early on. And pretty mm -hmm. much their living was, you know, like Billy the Kid, just killing people until you're dead, you know, and that dying ain't much of a living, you know. You know, I think it's a song of, of regret, you know, wishing you were more. That's, I love that take on it. I yeah. agree with you completely. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, and even the cording uh, musically of the song is very sad, but there's such beauty in, in the way it's sang in, in the, uh, in the melody of the chorus. There's so much beauty. I tend to listen to music more for the actual musical part of it than the lyrical content. So it's interesting to have these conversations when people are really, um, dissecting the lyrics and telling what it means to them um, yeah i'm more just like oh but that piano 
Yeah. See, I love Dice Tights and Lyrics. And I, I relate this, these lyrics to the album, you know, like, um, like I was saying, you know, before Dining Much Will Live and uh, the intro is, you know, that you wrote a 15 year old boy straight to his grave line. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the movie that, you know, it's towards the end when they, the 15 year old boy gets shot because he wanted to be just like Billy the Kid and wanted to ride with him. And, you know, he was like, no, 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 you know, this isn't for you. You know, this is for people who don't care to live and will get shot at any time. And this kid still wanted to do it. And so Billy kind of took him under his wing and he gets shot. Mm. And so I think that's where that song really kind of ties in with that part of the movie was, you know, dying ain't much over living, you know? Yeah. Uh, a lot of people aren't aware. I think it's very obvious that Elton John is a part of this song because his backing vocal is very high up in the mix. So you, uh, can, you can hear him very easily. It, it matches so well with um, John's voice too. I'm so happy that they had the opportunity to work together that way because it's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. And uh, my favorite <laughs> lyric from that song is uh, the night's there to remind me of the guns in the early graves. The ghosts appear as I fall asleep to sing an outlaw's serenade. I think I got that right. You got it right. It's weird saying it and not, not singing it. What, uh, what, what are your favorite lyrics from that, that one? Oh, geez. Putting you on the spot. But the night's there to remind me of the guns in the early, well, that's the same thing. Yeah, you took mine. That's the same thing. Yeah. I haven't thought that deeply about it. Oh, see, I'm just so weird. I said to lyrics and I always no, pick out not, my favorite. That's my not, favorite. that's not weird. That's great. That's great <laughs> that you did. Um, but I didn't think, I didn't think that to, to do that, to think about it that deeply. Like I said, I think it's because I'm more focused on the musical content. Uh, and that's amazing. And that's how music, you know, we mm -hmm. all interpret music different ways. Yeah. Um, when it's my turn to die, pray for me. I hope somebody that, prays for me. That's, I'll pray for you. <laughs> that's a spoken part, but it's but it's powerful yeah. nonetheless. Oh yeah, sure is. Yeah, sure is.
so the other do we want to go in order with the other songs i think it's too late to go in order i think it's just all over the map yeah. um, i'm going to finish uh the the couple songs coming up and then from there we'll i can do the rest in order with you um sure. bang a drum it kind Ooh. of feels like it's one of my top ones it kind of feels like it's almost like a gospel it's, a yeah. gospel. it's got a gospel it's got the choir Bang a Drum was released with a country singer, again, re-released, country duet version in 1998 with country singer Chris Ledoux. Rest in peace, Chris Ledoux, who's passed on. But uh, him and John did a really cool version of it. It was made to look like it was Chris's song, and then John just drives up in, like, his, in his convertible and gets out well, and sings a verse with Chris Ledoux and gets back yeah. in the car and drives away. Well, Chris actually uh, bought the song from John and put it on his solo album. Mm. in 98 i think it was and so that's why john only has that small you know where he's singing and then you know, like he's in the video pulls up in his uh car yeah but uh yeah so it's actually on one of his i don't listen to him but i know it's on one of his solo albums because he bought it from john he liked it that much that's weird to outright buy the song you could just credit john as the songwriter and release it i don't know i think a lot, a lot of artists buy songs from the other artists you know, it's like uh, for nothing by Bon, you know, Bon Jovi did nothing, which is an outtake from Have a Nice Day. Bo Bice bought it yeah. from John and, and re-recorded it. Um, That's a great but, tune. Uh, yeah, but Bang a Drum, you know, my interpretation on that song is it's kind of like a code of honor, you know. Mm. It's kind of like honoring those who, you know, instead of saying a prayer, you're, you're banging a drum. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of just, you know, bang a drum say a prayer for the ones who are having hardships and, and and all that you know that's how that's my take on it well i can tell you my favorite lyrics on that one is uh let's hear it they say john i'm gonna die if i don't start to live again i work each day and night like clockwork just trying to make ends meet i could kick this bad <laughs> world's ass if i could just get on my feet i love that one yeah mine oh mine be uh probably towards the end when uh, i don't know where all the rivers run i don't know how far i don't know how come well i'm gonna die believing that each step that i take it ain't worth the ground i walk on even if we walk if we don't walk our way i think i got that yeah. right that's really you know? cool lyric saying that it doesn't matter what kind of ground we walk if we don't do it the way we want yeah. to yeah it's, it's cool kind of similar to you know, we weren't born to follow, you know, we got to take our own path, be a leader. Mm -hmm. You know, that's my, that's my take. It's a good, it's a good song. So I think being a drum is one of the more lighter, lighter hearted tunes on the album. It's, oh, not, absolutely. it's not as serious. There's, there's some, there's some dark stuff, but there's also quite a few bright lights on this album too. Um, so I would now like to start at the beginning of the album. Well, I want to ask you one quick question. What sure. version do you, like more do you like bang a drum from the blaze of glory album or chris's take blaze of glory one? blaze of glory absolutely. me too i figured i figured you'd say that absolutely yeah um and because i and i love how there's the whole gospel <coughs> choir chorus in it too hallelujah amen like i love how they have all that going on oh yeah beautiful kind of ties into like the whole say a prayer thing and i think it's good at the beginning of that song that john kind of justifies that it's not how bang a drum is similar to um 
because in the first verse here, he says the preacher, basically the preacher turned away, you know, so like he doesn't even have a preacher to say prayers to or, you know, doesn't have to say a prayer to make things happen, you know, and so I think he kind of, instead of saying, say a prayer, bang a drum. Yeah. I, I yeah. don't I didn't I don't think I made sense there very no, much. No, no, you did. Uh, the in my head it sounds turned right. to me, laughed and the preacher turned away, said you if you want to tell them something, you ain't gotta you ain't fold, gotta your, fold hands. your hands. Say it with your heart, heart your, your soul, soul and believe it. it. <laughs> now now I now the lyrics came back to I for I was drawing a blank on that for a second. Yeah, no, it's it's very inspirational and it does definitely have kind of like a spiritual tone to it. Yeah, sure mm-hmm. does. Okay, back at the top of the album, the first track is Billy Get Your Guns, and man, that's like really revved up, energetic tune. It's a good opener to the record. I would say Billy Get Your Guns has got a really sweet chorus that's easy to sing along with. Um, But I never really, like I said, I didn't really pay attention to the story of the song. I just figured it was movie related. Yeah, you know, we were talking earlier, you know, I think it's such a great the song is a great intro but also the intro to the song you know hoo i'll make you famous you know because he says it so many times in the movie yeah but you know i always thought that billy get your gun should have actually been a single because it is like it's kind of like blaze of glory it's like the movie's anthem and in the movie itself in the credits only blaze of glory and billy get your guns are in the movie credit wise that's right and uh I just, it, you know, and the song is so good live. It's every time I listen to it, I always think, you know, this is like, this is the true, no other song in that album really speaks the true story of Billy the Kid as that song does. You know, that this, the song is like a tell all of Billy the Kid, I think. You know, there's a, it ties with my favorite lyric. They christened you with whiskey and there's fire running through your veins. Well, you're an outlaw just the same. And every night a bullet wears your name. You know, that last line, every night a bullet wears your name. Mm-hmm. That's the story. Everybody was out to get them because there was ransom, you know, or payback. You know, they, they just wanted him to die. And so so many people had bullets for him, you know, to shoot him. I've really got to watch this movie again, don't I? You have to. I tell <laughs> you, it, it really, 
<laughs> you know, I, I, and it's amazing because, you know, John wrote this soundtrack based on a script, not the movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that just takes a lot of talent to write a song from a script. But he hasn't even seen he yeah. Oh, yet. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it takes a lot of imagination. He has to yeah. visualize it all without the, without the aid of seeing it. So Visuals, yeah. Fantastic. What are your... I know you don't know the... But I, it's a weird thing about... What are your favorite lyrics from that song? I don't know. I should have had these lyrics pulled up. Right? I, I won't put you on the spot anymore. <laughs> I'm glad you're asking, though. <laughs> well, I, it's one of those weird things about me. I, I'm just always curious to see what others... I'm yeah, really, how they interpret a song or how they, um, I'm what really, their lyrics are. I'm really pleased that you are bringing up this this lyrical part of it because these aren't usually things that I thought about much. So thank you for doing that. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually pulling up the lyrics because I need to know now. <laughs> yeah, you, now that I brought it up, you have to, you have to answer. Okay. Oh, there's that silence while I'm reading. Podcast silence, it's just really makes the show <laughs> dead air the, the thing about this song that's interesting is that there's little a really cool line and then it says billy get your guns a really cool line and then it says billy get your guns like it's that statement is throughout the song the entire yeah. time yeah yeah because you know you know billy always has to have a gun handy in the movie because at any given time someone's going to be there to try to shoot him he's got to ha- you know he could be in the middle of a promenade or, you know, whatever, you know, with his friend, his gang. And he's always got to have his guns ready because like my favorite lyric, every night a bullet wears your name, you know? So you yeah. always have to have your guns. That's a great uh, lyric. Like, honestly, I really enjoy that. But I remember yeah. one that caught me was, because uh, every outlaw that's lived, or every outlaw that's died will live to ride again. Yeah. It's like, oh, Willie, cool. <laughs> And, you know, that song is so good live. John did it a, a few times during uh, Destination Anywhere promo in 97, 98. Oh. And one of my favorite performances of that is from the Backyard Barbecue they did for VH1. Yeah. And, oh, man, I just I love it. I, you posted that recently. I, yeah, I think I actually did. Yeah, because yeah, that was the first that. time I'd seen that video. And I was like, I, th- I remember asking you, is this Destination Era? Because it looks like it. But I was like, yeah. oh, what a randomly great track that they pulled out to play. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. I wish he, I don't think he's ever played ever since that, but uh, I'd love if he did.
Blood Money. Oh. Blood Money is such a simple, simple song. It's like basically acoustic guitar, harmonica, pretty much it. It's a simple melody. It's like a song you could sing around a campfire. It's one of the yeah. first songs I ever learned to play on guitar because it's got a pretty basic chord progression. But Blood Money is a really cool tune. Yeah, you know, side note, now that you said that you could play that on guitar, at the end of the scene, you've got to play a part of that. That was 30 years ago. <laughs> oh, that was 30 years ago, so maybe not. I haven't um, picked up my guitar in a long time. <laughs> but yeah, but, I'm glad you asked. Uh, but like I was saying with Billy Get Your Guns, you know, that was the song that was truly about Billy the Kid. Mm -hmm. Now with Blood Money, you know, the whole second half of the movie is all about, you know, Pat Garrett, who was Billy the Kid's best friend, you know, always by his side. All of a sudden, you know, leaves the pack and then he's given a badge of silver and money to kill his best friend, Billy the Kid. And so that song, Blood Money, is all about that, is about two brothers not together anymore and one brother turned like you know going behind his back you know because of a badge made of silver and uh money pretty much a ransom mm -hmm. and so i i, I love blood money is actually my favorite track off the album and nice. uh yeah i want to see it live last time john did was back in 11 2011 i think but like you said, it's one of those songs that just it's just so simple to play around a campfire or, or wherever. I think it's a song that he could still sing. I don't think it would oh. be like he'd probably just tune it down and he could probably still sing it. Yeah, it, it doesn't do anything too wild or crazy. Yeah, and you know the song is only I think a minute and a half, two minutes, something two, like that. Two thirty-four. Oh, two thirty-four. Well, yeah, it's short. Pretty good with time. Or did you pull that off the internet? Oh, I pulled it off the internet. It's right. In front oh, of my I was face. gonna say. It's <laughs> That's very good. You know. I don't know lyrics, but let me tell you. I know it's two <laughs> minutes sure and 34 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's probably people out there that actually do know it like that, which is kind of kind of weird. But The standard but, radio song nowadays, you've got three minutes and 30 seconds to get it done. So yeah. it's even shorter. But then there's songs on here that are like five, six minutes long too. Yeah, most of the, most of the songs on there are like, are like four or five minutes long. I think the longest one is Justice in the Barrel. Ooh, yep, you named it. That's the one. The longest but, one. Six forty. Is it really? Yeah, I think it's it's, it's because of that that intro. Um, you know that first minute. I guess we could talk about intro, the Justice in the Barrel now, since we're sure. that's the next because we covered Santa Fe. No, we didn't um, cover Santa Fe. We didn't. Oh, I think yet. we. Okay, let's go back to Santa Fe. Then. <laughs> We, we, I was we, like, no, no, please, let's talk about Santa Fe. It's my favorite song. You know, prematurely touched it. Anyway, okay. I'll let you. It's okay. No, I was going to say, but for a favorite lyric off Blood Money is definitely in the chorus where it's, but your conscience is all you can take to your grave. Ain't that the truth? Oh, sure is. what I used to call you. They tell me you want me, but I hear they've got you and made you a lawman with a badge made of silver. They paid you some money to sell. 
You know, we were talking about his vocals earlier. I think that's probably, besides Blaze of Glory, I think that's like one of his best songs vocally on the album. You know, um, especially the line, this is my favorite lyric too, and I blame the world for making a good man evil. It's this world that can drive a good man mad. Mm-hmm. And it's this world, you know, it goes on. And what's the other one too, where it is like really high it's in the beginning? What's that line? In the beginning, the high one, the spirits, yeah. they intoxicate they Intoxicate me. Yeah, I love, you know, his vocals. I, I heard them say, it's too late for me. Tell my guns I'm going home. Yeah, I uh, love Santa Fe is definitely my favorite song on the album. And I'm an avid karaoke enthusiast, just so you know. And I found that song for karaoke and it just, my world just lit up. Because <laughs> I was like, this song to me, is John's best vocal performance on record ever. This song. Yeah. I agree. It's, it's definitely, yeah. I know they did an acoustic on the Circle Tour, Santa Fe. Oh, I, oh, I wish I'd seen that. I think it's on YouTube. Good. I will definitely find that. Yeah, they, yeah, they did it because David and Tico would even come out to the Circle stage mm-hmm. and uh, would play that. I spent so much money on the circle tour and I never even, I'm wearing a shirt from it right now. (laughs) Oh yeah, you are. But I never, uh, I bought a mouse pad. (laughs) Ooh, I have that somewhere too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's somewhere. I've had that for a long, long time. Mouse pads are, well, I guess you, you have a computer set up, but I have a laptop. So like a mouse for me isn't, if I have them for collector's items. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, and I remember when we went to Vegas for Have a Nice Day tour, and I walked up there with my credit card, and it's like, I'll have everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it hadn't been so long. I spent like uh, a couple hundred bucks or something like that. <laughs> See, the Circle Tour was like the first year that I had, like, a, I was 16 years old, 17. And so I had my first job. And so, like, they'd announce tour dates, or I'd go to the show, and like you said, pull out your debit card credit card whatever and I, w- I would do that I, was like, I just got paid yesterday here's my here's my card <laughs> and I would just buy shirt after shirt and, you know little keepsakes like a mouse pad or yeah you know I, I over the years I wish I would have added up how much I spent on merchandise shows and, I put one of these kids through college oh I, we, yeah. we probably put them all through college yeah we did <laughs> or that that uh that nice kitchen he has at his house Oh, yeah. We paid for that. <laughs> we sure did. <laughs> I'm glad he's getting some joy out of it. It's, oh. it's, it's good. But anyways, yeah. Um, what was I talking about? We were still talking about Santa Fe. Santa Fe. Oh, man. That song is a joy and a pleasure. And it, to sing it as a vocalist, it's just, it gives me chills. And it's just unreal how he sings that song. Yeah. One like, of the best vocalists. It's one, it's, it's one of his most technically perfect songs, 
whereas on these days there's a lot of technically good stuff but there's a lot more pain in the vocal a little oh, more absolutely. a little more emotion so like uh like hearts breaking even or um yeah. if that's what it takes something to believe in you know those songs really set the tone of the lyrics and the song and you know the pain he was feeling and another thing about santa fe that's cool is there's strings in that song but he's got they've got orchestration in it and it's really cool to hear really cool yeah. to hear like the orchestra yeah it I, is. I, I, I think they use it at a couple other points too i like well the album ends with an orchestrated song that i don't think john wrote right guano city guano city yeah which which is kind of weird to me how that even was put on the album but not the movie i don't think it's in the movie and so it's mm-hmm. it's, it's just kind of weird how an orchestrated song is just on there you know mm-hmm. but it was a soundtrack too so that could that could have been the reason mm-hmm. who knows it is technically a soundtrack um what did they what does the album cover actually say songs inspired by isn't it yeah songs written performed by john bon jovi inspired by the film young guns 2 does it use the word soundtrack uh no it does not songs written and performed by john bon jovi inspired by the film young guns 2 because you mentioned earlier that only two songs from the album are actually in the movie yeah so maybe that's why so we both learned something new ah. and i got your uh, your track listed run t- run time now so oh good <laughs> <laughs> can go on to justice in the barrel now okay I, one thing i really like is a like the guitar oh, that guitar that's the Comes best part that's the best part of this i don't i'm not gay in any way but i don't know if it makes me sound it but that guitar sounds so sexy in yeah, that song it does you know I, I know that sounds weird but it's just it has that 
you know there's a real mix of sounds in this song because it starts off um it's almost like um maybe like an aboriginal native um sound in the beginning which is in the movie the the, uh, thing the indian man that's in the gang yeah he does like a ritual or something and then that so that extra it's kind of like the who who i'll make you famous you know Mm -hmm. those lines that was also put in for um justice in the barrel but yeah so that that was interesting that that was also put in so it goes into that and it's then you hear this really beautiful female voice like just riffing and then you hear john kind of whispering like there's no justice no justice (laughs) and then it goes into that cool guitar riff then the drums come in and then it's like another song again yeah yeah what's your interpretation of the song (sighs) lyrically that this is uh it's kind of goes back to like these young men that are just like living and dying quick lives is basically whatever your outcome in in your life is going to be you're staring down the barrel of the gun and how what's going to happen to you is based on (laughs) <laughs> whether you're going to get shot or not because that's going to be where your justice in your life lies yeah i guess yeah that's, that's a good one um you know my whole inter- interpretation of it is that you know back then you know back in the 1800s when this movie is set uh, it's about no justice pretty much the society you live in makes their own rules there was no government and so there's no justice you know it's kind of um taking justice in your own hands, which is why everybody owned their own gun. You know, if you did someone wrong, you shot them or you hung them, you know, mm-hmm. if the government, you know, the legally wise, you know, they get hung. And so like a eye for an eye, uh, you and your gun, you know, it's like the, the yeah. lyric when only justice a man can see is the barrel of a loaded gun. That's the only justice in their society. There's no going to jail or no. like going through a court of or jury of your peers. That's not what it's about. It's about, yeah, the, whether you, you're going to live or not depends this yeah. on my gun kind of thing. Yeah. You know, the, the perfect uh, tie-in of that song in the movie is the scene where, you're going to have to go and watch the movie now, yeah. uh, is the part where Billy the Kid and his gang go to uh, – to a, a guy who owes Billy the Kid $500, which back then was like $3,000. And and the guy was like, no, you're not getting this money. And he's like, well, I'm gonna have to take justice in my own hands. And he's like, if you don't give me my money, I'm gonna kill your guy and your guy for not giving me the money. And he did, he killed both of his men uh, as justice for not being paid. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, you're right. It's definitely cool how it ties in with the scene of the movie and something that uh, I have to watch again. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. Um, so, sorry if I'm going too deep into the movie. No, if you I'm glad. This is exactly what you should be doing. I appreciate yeah. it. Sure. You're covering all the bases.
Never Say Die. It's not a song I particularly cared for. It never really grabbed me. I got into it as I was older. You know what's weird? Every time I listen to it, and I, I see a little bit of a similarity, and obviously this came up before uh, this one did. Good guys always don't always wear white. Don't oh, you yeah. see a sim- similarity between the two? Especially with like the instrumental, the, the mm. intro. It's similar. I don't see it. Oh, I but, listen to them back to back. You know, it, it's not full in your face. Okay, I'll have to to, to listen to them back to yeah. back and see what see the uh, commonality of it. Yeah, um, maybe I'm crazy. No, I feel like the energy level of Good Guys is a lot different than Never Say. There's a lot more energy, I think, in Good Guys, but yeah. um, I don't know. The guys I, I don't always wear white. White is a fantastic song, but it's very. I feel like the energy of it's very erratic. Yeah, I think it's probably why John didn't make it really go anywhere. It's cool. They Uh-oh. played. They played good guys. Uh, another example of them being cowboys. But they played. That's a soundtrack from. Uh, what was the name of something? The way. What soundtrack? Uh, I forget. I, is that, the name of the album. I'm not too sure what the. It was Woody Harrelson. And Matthew McConaughey, the Cowboy Way. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the Cowboy Way. I think something like that no definitely was woody harrelson in it um but that movie that's another thing like hey let's do a cowboy movie let's get bon jovi to do the song yeah (laughs) yeah, they did and they performed it one time and forgot all about it wasn't it like the mtv awards or something like that yeah something like that it was like on the rooftop yeah like back in 95 90 yeah something like that it was a very cool performance yeah but uh the interpretation of this song is i think like and i think this has a lot to do with the band i think he was writing about the band at some parts you know being a pact and uh your brotherhood basically and i i think it was um like i said a lot about the band it's the blood on blood of this album yeah see i was gonna say that but i was like eh, maybe not but kind of yeah same, I think same kind is. of idea yeah, you know, like the, the lyrics, you know, once I was afraid of love, but when it's your brother, those things change because love is just another word for trust. I think that's the lyric, yeah. And um, I, I think that has, I think he was writing about the band there, you know, because there's a lot of secrets that they'll take to the grave and, you know, being I, a pack, pack of brothers. I am giggling because your puppy is so cute staring behind you. <laughs> Oh, you, did you see him? Yeah, he was just staring at the screen. It was the cutest thing ever. He's still there. Yeah. Can you see him? Hi, pupper. His name's Jackson. Oh, Jackson's a cutie. Jackson's a cutie. He sure is. He's always beside me. Oh, but. lovely dog. Yeah. Um. So I would say that Never Say Die definitely does sound like it's like a a brotherhood type tune and that's something that's always been exclusive to bon jovi as well uh, i'm even though this is his solo album but it was he's always been very brotherhood has always been very important to him i think hence why like on the well what is the name of their uh their clique the jersey syndicate yeah they that everybody who worked for john's tours and his crew and and is a part of that tight-knit group John gifted with like a diamond encrusted uh, slippery when wet uh, pendant, pendant necklace. Pendant. Yeah. 
and they're part of the syndicate basically. So I think that's kind of been an important thing to John. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like you said, it's, it's kind of like the, uh, the epitome of uh, blood on blood. to you really got me now which is yes. such a fun song that song makes that's, me get, get up and want to dance all that's got to be the most fun song on the album totally you know it's it's like one of those uh bar you know western bar kind of songs you know they got an old stanky piano sound on it like yeah super, little, richard. little richard kills on this song and he yeah. sings on it and plays and what an honor that must have been for John to have Little Richard perform with him on this track. Oh, yeah. Well, when Little Richard passed away, you know, unfortunately, earlier this year, John had posted a picture with him from the studio of Young Guns mm-hmm. when uh, Little Richard came to play. But, you know, I think that watching the movie, I think that there's, that song should have been in the uh, the movie. I think it's just like mm-hmm. one of those fun songs that they could have, you know, like when they're in the no disrespect back in the day it was called a whorehouse yeah you know i think that's when they should have played that uh that song you know it, it's, one good, of it's party it's fun songs party and it's got a little bit of uh a little bit of dirtiness to it it would be cool to just yeah. playing in a in a saloon or uh it's one of those songs where you feel like there's a bunch of people together having a party and they're gathered around the piano and and singing the chorus together and it's it's got that great feel good uh feel to it yeah yeah and yeah the the one tie-in though that i think that was from the song into the movie was the the lyric well you can walk on water but don't want to wet your feet meaning you want to take credit for something that's not yours Mm -hmm. and i think that's when the i forget the character's name but Kiefer sutherland plays the uh the character and he takes credit for some of billy the kid's murders but he's not really a murderer per se you know mm-hmm. and uh so he you know he's taking the credit you know so i thought that that line was interesting which is my favorite line of the song that's a very good interpretation I, yeah i'm glad you brought that up i, I could just, be i could be totally wrong too so no knows, even but. it doesn't matter you're never wrong with your interpretation everybody takes what they take from a from a lyric and interprets it the way that it's feels right for them that's what songwriting is about so i believe that what you just said was very correct and i can see where you would get that from um 
I, I just like something. Uh, my thing was uh, my our old friend Smith and Weston think you're in over your head. <laughs> oh, I love, I love this song. Yeah, I, I just, I love that song so much. You know, and you say those those words, and oh, it's just, it's such a great song. It, you know, it's, it's really I, I'd love to see that. You know, I can see him doing that solo, but. I think with like little Richard and the whole piano thing, I don't see it ever happening, but. Uh, oh, David could do that. Oh, I'm sure he could. Get David to tinkle it out. It'll be nice. Like just a little, like, yeah, it'd be cool. But I, I don't uh, see John touching it anytime soon. He probably doesn't even know it exists. <laughs> he probably forgot the lyrics. <laughs> yeah, probably. It's so funny. If I ever get to see them again live, I'm going to bring a sign. <laughs> you really, got, you really me got me now. Huh? Yeah. Be like, and, I, and I also love how John's vocals are kind of in the background more than close, like in your face, like in your ears close. It's oh, yeah. kind of like more in the back. Yep. And question, maybe you could answer this. Is in the second verse, is that little Richard singing that? Yep. That that was little Richard? Okay. I always wondered that, but I could never find confirmation on that. Oh yeah, he sings. He sings that a, was him on the second verse. verse. Yep, absolutely. That's his voice. Okay. Um, okay. Absolutely. And the song also has a very old timey production value to it. Like almost like they put it on like a record that's crackling. Yeah. That's yeah. why I said it. it sounds like something they it could have, I don't know if records were back or around. I don't think they were, but there's you know, those pianos like, that played themselves. <laughs> yeah. Basically, you know, so like that Western type sound. Do you watch the television show Westworld on HBO? Is that like a soap, soap opera? No. Westworld Never. is like a, a, a reality that was created yeah. for rich people where they uh, basically they've created this world with what's called hosts and the hosts, I, I'm going way off topic. The hosts are basically created AI people that are there to entertain the rich people who are coming to stay at Westworld. Ah. And eventually these AI characters throughout the series, they kind of realize that they're AI and take over. Yeah. Oh, I'll have to check it out. But, it, but it's originally World. Westworld on HBO, but it's originally set in a Western uh, setting. And I think that it might be something you could enjoy. You, but it, like, just um, when we were talking about the whorehouse and the saloon and that kind of feel, they have that in Westworld too. And that's what I was picturing in my head with this, you really got me now song playing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. I'll check it, it out though. Westworld on HBO. Yeah. Yeah.
Um, so basically the last two tracks that are, are um, worthy of chatting about, we have already bang a drum and dying yep. ain't much of a living. Um, yeah. Guano city is the last song on the album. That's just an instrumental. That's about a minute and 15 seconds uh, written by Alan Silvestri. Silvestri. Yeah. So it's just kind of an outro really. It doesn't really add much to the album. And like we said, it's, it wasn't really necessary. But yeah. then again, you don't want to leave that album on Dying Ain't Much of a Living. No, it kind of suicidal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It would be too dark to leave it at that place. So I think it yeah. was something to just kind of take the album home to a, a little bit of a lighter. And I honestly yeah. don't even remember what Guano City sounded like. To be quite fair, like I think I always skipped it when I was listening. Yeah, I, I, I don't listen to it often either because John's not even singing on it. I think it's just more of like a soundtrack type song. I don't know. To me, it's it kind of has a scary vibe to it. But mm -hmm. but you know, it's, it's a perfect way to end the album, I guess. And it was just putting a bow on the package, really. Yeah, signed, sealed. Yeah. Yeah. But I've got to say, like. Definitely out of our chat, what I've learned today is I should pay more attention to lyrics and I should watch this movie again. And I will do that. And I think that uh, I'll report back to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll tweet you and let you know how, how I enjoyed it. Because like I said, I don't even remember it at all. It's okay. We, <laughs> yeah, we interpret music in different ways. Me, I'm more into the, the lyrics and the, the story behind it and how I relate to it if, if possible. I think it's incredible that you brought all those stories of, and interpretations of the lyrics to this conversation today. It's exactly yeah. what, what this conversation needed. So I thank you for that. Yeah. Sorry I tied yeah. it too much into the movie. <laughs> That's yeah. not a bad thing at all. That's a wonderful thing. That's pretty yeah. much the point, right? So, yeah. yeah. No, um, I think we'll definitely be having another chat again, and I'd love to come on uh, discussions anytime. Yeah. I'll try to uh, have you on in the next month or so. Sure. I have a few I still got to post, but maybe we could talk about another album and where you, you know your lyrics. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's these days. But actually, no. I'm, other than like, I'm not that versed on the first two albums because quite frankly, I never listened to them that much, especially since my fandom started when Keep the Faith came out. Yes, I did go into the back catalog, but mostly the Slippery in New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Slippery and Jersey were like when the band kind of had, they found their definite sound, you know, in the debut in 7800. Mm. I think those, you know, they were playing around with different sounds and techniques. And I don't you know, think I they, think they knew exactly who, you're right. I don't think they exactly knew exactly who they were yet. Yeah. Yeah. Because like you look on um, 7800, there's so, such an array of songs that just don't, don't have a flow to it. Like, Tokyo Road was like, you know, that intro to Tokyo Road was like weird, like South Florida. So, you know, like, what the <laughs> hell is that? And then all I of never a sudden, knew like, what they were saying. I thought it was Sakura, yeah. Sakura. Uh, <laughs> maybe, that, maybe that's what it is. It could be. It probably is. I South always Florida. interpret it as South Florida. Like, why are you singing about <laughs> South Florida? But I'm going to have to yes. go listen to that. Because maybe it is that. So for the last 20 years, in my head, I've said it's South Japanese. Florida. So it's my good. takeaway tonight is that. <laughs> and now you made my day. It, every time I hear it, I'm gonna think of you now and think of how stupid it was for me to think you South made Florida. My day. South Florida. 
awesome. My interpretation was that it's Japanese because Tokyo Road. So Sakura. Yeah, it, it, it's Sakura or whatever. Sakura, whatever. <laughs> not not is, South Florida. It is a strange intro though, isn't it? Like it's so yeah, it out of place. And then when the song kicks in, you're like, what did that have to do with anything? Yeah. <laughs> Besides Tokyo, you know, in Japan. <laughs> I don't know. I just, the flow of that album though was, you know, like, because you had Silent Night and then all of a sudden you had Tokyo Road, which is, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought Tokyo Road was a little too heavy or like, or like hardest part is great songs but it just didn't fit the sound of the band I don't think but that's a discussion for another time I'll have to have we'll you have on to, we'll have that discussion eventually and I want yeah. to thank you so much for your time today Jerry it was yeah. a pleasure to get to know you better too and uh, I'll, I'm telling everybody who's listening to the show check out Bon Jovi Discussions on YouTube and see all the cool people that Jerry's chatted with as well um, you can follow him on Twitter what's your Twitter handle? Good question. Uh, Jerry, Bra- <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Braden 92. Sweet. Yeah, and you can vote in all of his awesome song polls too. Pitting Bon Jovi songs against each other. I love it. Yeah, if you like Bon Jovi, it's a good account to follow. If you don't like Bon Jovi, it's not a good account to follow because <laughs> that's all you'll see. <laughs> that, that's why I've, I, I've learned that my uh, Twitter account is like 95% Bon Jovi fan account. Mm-hmm. and then then it's five percent of my life which is which is nothing you know so it's, it's all i ever post is 95 percent bon jovi hey, it's, like, it's, it's, like a, it's okay you keep your keep yeah. you your private life for you and you yeah. do your do your bon jovi fandom out there and share it with everybody yeah. i think it's great that's why i think i think it's more of like a fan account than anything you know mm-hmm. a bon jovi fan account that's cool because yeah. I think it's really grown and uh, a lot of people appreciate the information that you're sharing with Bon Jovi fans out there. So thank you for that, Jerry. Yeah. And thank Thanks you for, for having me so on. Positive. And oh, I wanted to mention to you, it's funny. I first, when I first saw you on, when I was watching your YouTube channel and I thought, you look familiar. You look like somebody. I said, you look like Nick Carter from Backstreet oh, from, Boys. You know, I get Have that, you heard I that before? It, yeah, because of the haircut. But it's, <laughs> it's a popular haircut. A lot of people have them. <laughs> You know, but I mean, yeah, you you look, you resemble him a bit. So cool. Yeah, I, I can see it. It's probably because of the the way that, we, but he does his hair a little differently. But there was a time where he had the same haircut, though, very similar haircut. What's that? Nick, he had a very similar haircut to the way yours is at one point. I don't yeah, know he does now, but back in the day. Well, it's a popular haircut. I see the haircut all the time. So it's is like, it like a faux hawk? What is it? No, it's, see, when I was younger, like high school and below, mm-hmm. my hair laid down. I, I looked so freaking goofy when I was a kid and a teenager. I looked goofy, you know, but my hair laid down. And, but as I went to college, I started to look goofier because my hair started to poof like a, like a Gia pet. It's uh-huh. like. Yes. And so I was like, well, my hair's not going to lay down anymore. So I either just shave it and I looked goofy that way. <laughs> Or, you know, my, my uh, hairdresser was like, well, why don't you do it this way? And so what she did was she took the sides down to like a one and then left like a length on the top where I style it up because that's where it poofs. Okay. And so, so I get my hair cut like every week now just to make, but that's the only way I can keep my hair. Or I could keep it, you know, like grub. I look like a big guy. You know what a Gia pet is? Yes, yes. Like, That'd be me if I did You look like this. Bob Ross, you know? 
the painter. Who's Bob Ross? Oh, the painter. Yeah. Oh. A little, little happy tree over here and a little happy tree over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> this looks not too bad, you know, so. Uh, it's a good haircut and it was a lovely chat. I'm happy to that you came on the show. So thank you so much, Jerry. Thank you. Social media, yeah, we've got it. Send us an email, dopenostalgiapodcast at gmail.com. Twitter, Nostalgia Dope. Or on Insta, dope underscore nostalgia. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.